0: Tonight, I want to speak on this subject, blessed book, blessed book. I want to preach to you on the book that's got all the answers. I want to preach to you on the book that's hated and despised by America more than ever has been before. It's so hated, it's been kicked out of the schoolroom. It's so hated, it's been neglected at the church house. It's so despised, it's been forgotten in the home. People read newspapers far more than they read the Word of God, and then we wonder why America's in the mess she's in tonight. Now, folks, if you've ever listened to a message, and I don't intend to quit preaching until God nudges me and says, Now, that's enough for one night. I want you to sit right where you are, and I want you to tune in. I want you to get on the frequency that I'm on, so you can receive. I don't claim to be real smart. I never was an A double plus or even an A pupil. I mean very few A's I ever made I'm not bragging about that I'm just simply saying that everything I've learned it came the hard way and everything that I got from God it came by faith. I mean it's a gift. Wisdom is a gift of God. If any of you lack wisdom let him ask of God who gave it to all men in not, and it shall be given him. So you'll get it. You don't get wisdom by going off to college. You don't get wisdom by reading a bunch of books. You get wisdom by asking God for wisdom. And tonight, I've come to my only hope. This is it. And if you would refuse the truth that's in this message, I might as well pack my briefcase, throw it in the plane, and head for some other city. I mean, if you do not see what I'm talking about tonight, you're beyond help. I mean, there's no way on earth to have revival apart from what we're going to preach out of this book tonight. Now we're ready to start reading. Malachi chapter 1, verse 7. He said, You offered polluted bread upon mine altar, and you say, Wherein have we polluted thee? In that you say, The table of the Lord is contemptible. He said, God's bread's not sufficient, it's not enough. That's what, the, that's what this generation said, hadn't it? This generation says, The Bible's not sufficient. Besides, we don't need the Bible anymore. Much of it's not so, and it's out of date, and The Lord's table is contemptible. Therefore, there's only one thing we've done, and that's we've put polluted bread. See, book reviews, essays, sermonettes, lectures, and all the rest. That's polluted bread. Now turn to the book of Zephaniah, please. The book of Zephaniah. Verse 2. She obeyed not the voice. She received not correction. She trusted not in the Lord. She drew not near to her God. Now in a moment, without me preaching on it, you can see that that's truth refused, conscience stifled, faith shattered, and fellowship broken. Right there, in that verse. Now go on. Her princes within her are roaring lions. Now that's the political leaders of their day. Her judges are evening wolves. They gnaw, not the bones, till the morrow. Her prophets, now look at this, verse 4, this is Zephaniah chapter 3, verse 4, her prophets are light and treacherous persons. Her priests or preachers have polluted the sanctuary. They've done violence to the law. L-A-W. You know what that is? That's the word of God. Now, they didn't have the New Testament. They didn't have Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, Acts, and Uh, Romans, and they didn't have uh, the letters to the churches. They've done violence to the law. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. They have done violence to the law. Now, has our generation done that? Has our generation taken its little scissors of infidelity and clipped the veins of Bible truth? Has our generation decided that we needed to rewrite the Bible and rearrange the Bible? When our forefathers founded this nation... And built this nation on one book, and there it is right there. Our Puritan forefathers lived pure and clean and consecrated and paid the price to build a great nation, and we've gotten away from the precepts of this wonderful Word of God. Now turn to Psalm 138. Let's see how much God believes in His Word. Psalm 138, we're going to take a little time to really read the Scriptures. And then we'll ask God to give us whatever he wants to say. 138 Psalm. What does the Lord say about his own word? Verse 2. I will worship toward thy holy temple and praise thy name for thy living kindness and for thy truth for thou hast magnified thy word above all thy name. Now then, if you'd like, turn to... Isaiah chapter 42. Isaiah chapter 42. And when you begin to read in the word on the word, you'll be bogged down in a little bit, but we'll read at least a good many verses. Verse uh, uh, 21. The Lord is well pleased for His righteousness' sake. He will magnify the law and make it honorable. And yet, would you believe it if I told you that if I walked down the street with a Bible in my hand in Columbus, Georgia, many people would evade me because they think that's the mark of a fanatic. I mean, that's, that's what you call one of these spiritual nuts. How goes the guy with the Bible right there? And yet I could come walking right back down the street <laughs> uh, with the newspaper under my arm and they'd say, Well, what do you think about so and so in the paper this morning? I mean, it'd just strike a concept. Why? Worldly. See, this book is a book about heaven and hell and sin and salvation and, and salvation by grace. The theme of the whole Bible is salvation. Somebody said it's a book of religion. No, it's a book against religion. I know of no book in up your religion like the Bible. Man can't read the Bible and believe it without losing his religion. And you never will get saved until you lose your religion. I was up in Columbus, Nebraska a good many years ago, and a fellow at the motel came a- walking out. He was the owner, the manager, and so forth. And uh, he said, i tell you that would make a man lose his religion. Well, I said, that'd be a good thing. He stopped and looked at me and said, I thought you was a preacher. I said, I am. Well, he said, why do you think a man ought to lose his religion? I said, that's the best way in the world to find Christ. I can't lose Christ. I can't lose my Christianity. Oh, no. I had an experience. The Bible said, I know that whatsoever the Lord doeth, it shall be forever. I got a forever experience when I got in touch with Jesus. Amen. You say, I don't believe that. Well, that's your hard luck, not mine. I mean, I'm willing to offer you what i got because it's free and won't cost you a thing. It costs you a lot if you don't do it. All right. Turn on over to Isaiah chapter 48, please. Isaiah 48 and uh, it's verse uh, 18. Oh, that thou hearkened to my commandments, then had thy peace been as a river, and thy righteousness as the waves of the sea. You know what God's saying? He said, if you had hearkened unto my commandments, then had thy peace been as a river. One of these nights, I'd like to answer the question, will we ever win another war? See, God's through with us, and I don't blame Him. I mean, God, you just I know you get mad sometimes, swell up, but listen. As long as a nation can drink as much liquor, shoot as much dope, break as many homes, and live as immorally, and be as full of infidelity, I will guarantee you God's going to have to say, that's one of the nations I've got to let go to hell. Amen. And the Bible said the wicked shall be turned into hell, and all the nations that forget God, and if America's forgotten God and the belief she has, she's got to go to hell. You say you ought not to talk like that, act like you won't know, I'm doing what I can to keep her from going to hell. There's a bunch of silly modernists that's not doing anything to get them out of hell. All right, let's read some more scripture. The 51st chapter and verse 14. I believe this speeds us up. This accelerates us a little bit. 51 and verse 14. The captive exile hasteneth that he may be loosed, and that he should not die in the pit nor that his bread should fail. I thought about the city today, Brother Johnny. The captive exile, that's an alcoholic. He better get in a hurry unless he dies in the pit. And you people that are here tonight, some of you women, you men back there, you haven't responded to the gospel. All you're doing is healing up a little bit, getting some free bread, free bed, and so forth. And you haven't got saved yet. You haven't got any testimony. You haven't, you're not saved anywhere when you came to the city. All you're doing is just getting a little vacation away from the devil and sin and liquor drinking and dope shooting and immorality. You better get saved. He said "The captive exile, better get in a hurry about this thing. You'll die in the pit before you know it. Oh, I beg of you to give your heart to Christ, to confess your sin tonight, and let Jesus save your soul tonight. Today's the day of salvation, the Bible says, and now is the time. Second Kings chapter 22, one of my favorite passages of Scripture. Second Kings chapter 22. Now, this man said, I found the book. I found the book. I want you to notice where he found it, and how he found it. I believe this is true today. You know, one of the many questions we ask on the TV channels and newscasts and everything else is, uh, where do you get your money? Must take a lot of money. Build buildings, dormitories, and feed uh, dozens and dozens and dozens of people and never charge them a dime and take little old boys and girls and men and women. Why, well, A lady, a, a girl called me today from an institution in, up in, uh, in Ohio, and uh, she said, uh, Brother Olaf, my mother told me about you, and, some young people have told me about you and about your girl's home. I'm 17 and I'm here in an institution. And she said, I'm so confused. And she said, I, I, I just need help so bad. And would you let me come and so forth? And uh, why? I said, yes, get on the plane and come on. Meet us here in the campaign. And I'm looking for a call tonight or tomorrow. And she'll be coming in. Now, I believe she'll get saved. She said, Brother Olaf, I'm sick of sin. I'm sick of running that I've been living with a bunch of old sorry fellas that are no good, and said, I'm just a young girl, and said, I I, I know one thing. She said, I'm going to lose my mind if I stay in the institution. She said, this is not the answer. There's no Christ here. There's no Bible here. And she said, I long for somebody to take me and what I heard about you girls, I believe if I could come and be with them, I'd get real help. Well, I believe that too. I believe it. And so you pray for her. But notice what he said in 2 Kings. Uh, chapter 22, and I'm going to begin reading at verse 5. Let them deliver it. No, verse 4. Go up to Hilkiah the high priest. That's the preacher. Go to him and say, Sum the silver which is brought in the house of the Lord, which the keepers of the door have gathered of the people, and let them deliver it into the hand of the doers of the work. Now that's where I believe the money ought to go. <laughs> if the church is doing the work, put it in the church. Uh, if uh, somebody's doing the work of... Now, that's because somebody said, well, where you think I should put my money? It's none of my business. That's between you and the Lord. I mean, when it comes to me telling you, listen, brother, the Bible said they summed the silver and said, give it to the doers of the work. I believe any church that's getting the work of the Lord done ought to be supported by its members. But I believe any church that refuses to win souls and where the gospel's not preached, it ought to starve to death or burn down or get out of the business. You know there's a verse in the Bible that sure keeps me out of a lot of trouble. God forbid that I should do evil, that good may come. That'd be a good thing if all these liquor stores had closed, but God won't let me burn them up. And it'd be a good thing to get rid of a lot of sorry dead churches, but i just have to pray for them. But i tell you one thing. A woman called me up, and uh, rather I met her in Jacksonville, Florida, and she said, Brother Olaf, I'm going to church where the gospel's not preached. Nobody gets saved. Preacher can't even mock a preacher. And said, I never get my soul fed. I said, what shall I do? Well, I said, what would you do with you and your family if your house caught on fire? Well, she said, I'd get out of it. I said, you got the point. All right, verse 8. And Hilkiah the high priest said, unto the and the scribe, I've found the book. Now, let me ask you this. Preacher, brethren, think it over. Where, where'd they find the book? After they got rid of this dealing and, and hooping and hollering about the money business. Now, preachers, as sure as I'm a foot high, if me and you will live by faith, God will foot the bill. You will have to, at well, least, if you keep the cobwebs out of the baptistry and you keep enough sinners soaked uh, in salvation and then in baptismal waters, God will foot your bill. I never have seen a church go bankrupt that baptized a lot of people and them to Christ and then not Never have. And so I'd say this, they summed the silver, uh, evidently they had some savings. You know, they had it stuck away somewhere. (laughs) And uh, I can't imagine people sticking up a bunch of money and not putting it to work for God right now. That includes churches and individuals. You're going to get credit and you're going to be paid according to your rewards will come according to what you've used, not what you've had, what you've used for the glory of Christ. And so God's people are to be diligent and we're to be thrifty uh, with what God is putting in. He said, I found the book. Now then, what happened when he found the book? Revival broke out. They had a great revival. Where did the revival come from? From the Bible. Read the book of Nehemiah, if you will, the first eight chapters. You'll find uh, Nehemiah was the cupbearer to the king had a fine position. And Hananiah came from Jerusalem and said, uh, of course, Nehemiah and all the Jews were interested in how Jerusalem was. He said, well, it's terrible. Walls are down. Uh, city's been burned. We're exposed to the enemy. Why, we're routed daily by the enemy, and we're suffering. People are starving. Little children are hungry. And Nehemiah went into a fast and began to pray. And the king said, what's the matter with you? He said, why, you've got sorrow out. He said, sure I have. My hometown Jerusalem is ravaged by uh, the enemy, and they're starving. And my ten people are dying. He said, what do you want? He said, I want to go back. I want to get a leave of absence and I want to get and build the walls." He said, all right. Uh, what else you want? He said, I want some, uh, some lumber give me permission to get some timber. He went back up there and walked over the city at night, built the walls. And then what did they do? They got ears to the scribe. They began to read the Bible. They read it for one half a day. Preachers, have you ever had a Bible reading revival? Most of us would think we've got to preach a revival, don't we? Uh, have you ever had a Bible reading revival? Just get in there and say, now, we're going to read the Bible next week, every, every night. You come, and we're going to read t- tomorrow night. We'll read the book of Philippians. Just bring your Bible, read the whole book, get out and pray and say, you're dismissed. Tomorrow night, we'll read the book of Jonah on how they had a revival down in Nineveh just by preaching repentance. Tomorrow night, we'll read the book of Colossians or we'll read the book of Romans. Or well, you could read the whole book of Romans in time you preach a sermon. Read the whole book of Romans, get down and pray Why while on. I believe the Holy Spirit will bless you. I believe we need more of the Word of God given in our churches in our homes. Read! The Bible said, Blessed is the man that readeth. Revelation chapter 1, blessed is the man that readeth. Blessed is the man that hears. Did you know that? If you can't even read, he said, if you'll just listen to it. See, I'll let you get a blessing if we'll read and believe the wonderful Word of God. Well, there's some more scriptures. Would you turn back? We look like we're going back toward the first of the book. Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy chapter 6 and uh, verse 6. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. Chapter 6. Turn with me, please, to that uh, sixth chapter. And it happens to be the sixth verse. These are words uh, given in ancient days, but they're still good. Verse 6 And these words which I command thee this day shall be a nine head. No, he didn't say that. That's where people got it, and it won't do you lick of good. Better get it in your heart. I know it's got to go through your head, but don't let it lodge in your head. Let it lodge in your heart. Your heart's where you're having trouble, and you have. everybody's having heart trouble. I was born with it, and you were too. Bible said it was. Behold, I shaping shapen in iniquity and in sin that the mother conceived me. I had a heart attack before I was ever born. You don't believe that? I was a sinner when I came in the world. If I didn't get delinquent, I was born that way. You were too. People say, well, where's all this juvenile delinquency coming from? Well, first of all, it's coming from the devil and it's coming through Ma and Paul. I mean, if you can't see that, you don't believe the Bible at all, dear friend. Why, listen, dear, they, they, I think i got something here that came from the crime, Minnesota Crime Commission. If this is not, I never dreamed I'd read this. Has the future of your child is in danger, they said. Uh, and so, uh, this is what the Minnesota Crime Commission has come and to this frightening and factual conclusion. And you talk about the write-up of the character of a little baby, this is it. I never dreamed that men like this sounds like the Bible, but you wouldn't think men like that maybe would say it, but listen to it. I've given it before, but i share it with you tonight. Every baby starts life as a little savage. He is completely selfish and self-centered. He wants what he wants, when he wants it, his bottle, his mother's attention, his playmate's toys, his grandfather's wants, deny him these wants, and he sees with rage and aggressiveness Which would be murderous were he not so helpless. Would you like another stanza of that? You mothers, you know, that have such darling babies. (laughs) Oh, the little angel. Don't forget the devil's got some angels. Listen, dear friend. No little baby is born an angel of God. According to the Bible, he's born an angel of the devil. That's what the psychiatrist and the psychologist won't take into consideration. Therefore, they have no remedy for sinful humanity. Right. Unless he's a Christian psychiatrist, he has no hope. And I'll guarantee you, dear friend, it'll be a long time before I'll turn what mind I have over to an unsaved psychologist or psychiatrist. I mean, for me to let him take me in there and tell me to throw my Bible aside and quit praying and not be religious... I tell you, he might as well go jump in the lake. My only hope is in the Lord. My Bible said, let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus. And if he hadn't got a mind like that, he better not be thinking with my mind. Hey, y'all just breathe normally because I'll be responsible for what I'm preaching here. Some of y'all act so strange. You think you're so smart to get to lay on a psychiatrist's couch. And you go get the shock treatment. Let me tell you something if you'd listen to me, I'd shock the devil out of you and you wouldn't need to go. I believe that. And I'm not trying to act smart either. I'm just trying to tell you, listen, when I was born, we'd go to them old-fashioned camp meetings and them old brush arbor meetings, tabernacle meetings, and fresh air meetings, and the preacher did all, he gave all the shock treatments back then. Man, I tell you, I've seen the time when them old murderers had walked the yard at night. I mean, they were under conviction. Let's read on. Talking about this little baby of yours. He's dirty. He has no morals, <laughs> no knowledge, no skills. This means that all children, not just certain ones, are born delinquent. If permitted to continue in this self centered world of his infancy, if parents gave him free rein to his impulsive actions to satisfy his wants, Every child will grow up to be a criminal, a thief, a killer, and a rapist. And that's what we got on our hands right now. And that's what the mothers and dads are bred to do. They've not given the word of God. They've not gotten them saved. They didn't bring them up to the nurture and admonition of the Lord. And they didn't train them up in the way they should go. And now then we got that very thing on our hands right now. Your college students are the meanest, the most immoral, and the most murderous, and shoot more dope and commit more suicide than any bunch on the face of the earth. And you know I'm telling the truth. We've educated them away from God and away from Jesus and away from the Word of God. And we are country filled with heathens today. Sinners! Because we got away from Jesus and His Word. Let's see where our life comes from. I like to live, don't you? I've lived all day today. I've been living ever since I got born again. I just existed up till that time. And Jesus said, "I came that you might have life, and that you might have it more abundantly." And so Moses almost said the same thing when he said over in the thirty-second chapter and uh, for, verse forty-six, and he said unto them, "Set your hearts." America's trying to set her heads, isn't she? Set your head. No, he said, "Set your hearts. Get your hearts set." Old Solomon said, "My heart's fixed, trusting in the Lord." You know what the Bible said, children? Obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. And this is the first commandment with promise. That's right. Did you know, mothers, and that is, if you do not make your children mind you that you're you're killing them? Did you know you're murdering your children? You take a load of that home with you tonight and think it over. And it's not natural for a child to obey its parents. They're born rebels. Mean as the devil. They'll lie. Nobody teaches a child to lie. They'll learn to lie and cuss. And live in sin. They learn all the stuff that they ought not to learn. And mothers and daddies. It's up to us. To, why did God let us have them so long. Before they got gone. Why a little old cat. At six months will catch his own mice. A little dog at the age of one year. Will outrun a cottontail rabbit. And eat him up. And yet a little child at the age of five. Hadn't got sense enough. To put on his clothes. Or take a bath. At least want to take a bath. And what am I saying? God gave us these little precious bundles of lay and kept them young and tender for a long time in order that we might train them. Really train them. You have your Bible, turn again to Psalm 119. Psalm 119, this is the longest chapter, 176 verses, the longest chapter in the book. The longest chapter in the book. It has to do with the Bible, every word, every line of it, uh, except three, mentions directly the wonderful word of God. He said, the entrance of thy word giveth light. Thy word's a lamp to my feet uh, and a a light to my path. He said, thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. Did you know that's the answer to juvenile delinquency? Did you know the only way you can get your kids to behave themselves is put the word of God in their heart? Isn't it a sight how we've let the newspapers and magazines and television and rock and roll and a bunch of junk like in our homes and ruin our children when we ought to have been putting the Word of God into them? Amen. You wonder why these little girls sitting up here disciplined, why they've come through dope addiction, and why they've come out of immorality and filth and sin. You know why? It's because we put the Word of God to them. Amen. They'll give their testimony along with 40 more before this meeting is over, and they'll tell you just one thing we've offered them. Our whole source of equipment is the Word of God. I'm not talking about these little uh, man-made shortcuts. Now uh, you'd say, well, that's because you're ignorant. I know it, but I'm the happiest ignorant fellow you ever saw. And God, in spite of my ignorance, has helped me to get a few things done and get some soul saved and homes built, and the bills have been paid and people have been rescued from the burning, and praise God, if he keeps on doing I'm going to stay with it. Oh, how horrible it is for people to be lost, to be lost in sin, and without this is a salvation book no man preaches this book without uh, getting people saved if he preaches in love and power and the spirit of christ i want to say something else about this book this book is a healing book that's right the bible said he sent his word and healed them what word to send? as far as i'm concerned he sent this word Amen. preachers we better quit this business to turn all our sick folks over to doctors and hospitals and drug stores and if you don't know what i'm talking about you better find out you're going to give an account to god for letting your people die without praying for them and preaching the book to them you said you believe in divine healing i didn't know it was any other kind Amen. you say you believe in divine healers no i believe in a divine healer and that's jesus Amen. you know what medicine he gives the word of god what do you think it means when he said now that just shall live by what faith I, I put that in the book four times I know, listen, one thing I've got to do in this meeting, if we're going to have a revival, we've got to challenge the faith of the people. I mean, if your faith doesn't increase, this meeting's a flop. I mean, if we can't get you to believe God's word, we'll never get anywhere for God. And God's not going to bless anybody that doesn't believe this book. The Bible said he sent his word and healed them. You remember when they sent her and come run to Jesus and he said, My servant home sick of the positive grievous that tormented, and Jesus said i will come heal him. No, he said he do not have to come. Put the word to it. Did you get that? He said, what? He said, well, just speak the word only. He don't need nothing but the word. Give him a dose of the word. Give him a hypodermic full of the word. Amen. Why, well, Jesus said, you can take all back home. I don't need me coming. Brother, <laughs> well, that's faith. Where did he get the In the word of God. In the Everything Jesus ever did, he did with his word. Folks, we've got to have a revival of believing the word of God. I mean, this is my lifeline. I can't live without it. Physically, I could not live. I could not live. Mentally, I could never stay together. I could never have a clear mind. And I know I couldn't have a pure mind apart from the Word of God. Now, this is not only a healing book. This is a cleansing book. This is a cleansing book. He said, now you're clean through the Word. You know how many clean people in this auditorium? Only those that have been cleaned up by the Word of God. Every, last, every, every, every one of us without this is just as dirty as we can be. Oh, I know you may have on a clean suit and a clean dress and a new hairdo or a new wig or something else, but brother, without Jesus Christ and His Word, you're dirty. You've got a dirty heart, you've got a dirty mind, and you're not said to the law of God, neither indeed can be, and there's only one cleansing, it's the Word of God. Oh, if I could just get you to see all you need tonight. A woman called me a while I on the phone from a distant state. Uh, I nearly said the city, but she'll hear the message when it comes back. And I wouldn't want her husband. He's a very mean man. She said, Brother Wolof in tears. She said, could you use me anywhere? Well, I said, we look like I have plenty of workers. I, she said, I listen to every day on the radio. And it just seemed like it'd be like heaven to come and be around God's people. Said my husband, so, I mean, I'm scared of him. Afraid he may kill me. Got two little children. I'm scared he'd kill us any time. Said so I got such an unhappy marriage, and said my little children began to take on his ways of sin, and he said I just so burdened about my little children could have come. That story can be repeated thousands of times, in just a few years, everywhere you go, just sin. Daddies, you must be a pretty sorry fellow not to take care of your wife and little children, not to be kind to them. You were so sweet while you was courting her, you know. Oh me, you know you were just so gracious and. You took her out to eat and you opened the car door and you closed it. And, and you uh, just, oh, you were so gallant, you know, and such a gentleman, and everything. And then turned into a demon and a devil when you got her. Oh, listen, you need this book. That's what you need. That's straightened you out. This is a book of healing. of, of This is a book that will bring the right spirit. Did you know that? It will give you the right spirit. If you will believe this book right here, this is a book of strength giving. You need strength tonight? This is a book of quickening, this Bible right here. Why, dear friends, it's inexhaustible, indestructible, indescribable, unfathomable. I mean, there's no way in the world for a man to ever plumb the depths of the truth in this old book. The longer I read it, the more I study it, the sweeter and the richer and the deeper and the more wonderful it becomes. Fact is, in the last 20 years of my life, which we've seen our faith strengthened and enlarged, the last 20 years of my life have been the most marvelous years. That's when I started reading a little before that. The Bible threw on my knees once a year, memorizing much of its many of its passages. And that's when I decided live or die, sink or swim, survive or perish. I was going to live by the word of God. I didn't realize what all it involved when I started down that road, but... Uh, I'll tell you, it's been rewarding and it's been sweet and it's been wonderful. But I'll say this, dear friends, this book is all that you need tonight. The only way to build a church, if you have a Bible church, is to preach out of the Bible. Teach out of the Bible. Read out of the Bible. I, I'm not for all these a uh, lot of these little helps that you get. I just believe you ought to stay with the book. Stay with the book. I really mean that. I tell you, I got misled and deceived and and all that so many years until, the fact is, I didn't even believe in the coming of the Lord. I didn't believe in the coming. I thought that we was going to bring the kingdom in. That's what they told me. And I didn't have a better sense to believe it. And I found out the kingdom was coming, but it wasn't God's kingdom a coming. Oh, listen. And then, I, you know where I got it? I finally began to read the Bible. I just got to bi- reading the Bible. And I said, look at there. That's not what they told me, but what they told me don't matter much if it's contrary to what he told me. And so I, I just dared to believe it. And God began to open my eyes and give a revelation. You know what I did? I'm not bragging about it. I got rid of my library. Had a little old preacher come in one day, you remember? I said, you want this library? And boy, he said, oh, man, do I. I said, well, help yourself. Well man, it wasn't but about an hour. He's up by the pickup truck. He hauled everything. He could haul except my King James Version. I wouldn't let him have that. <laughs> and that's all I've had. That's all I've had. I take two books and every revival, And that's it. Uh, and concordant the king jane version and it, it meets all my needs now if you could come to believe and worship and love through the word of god like i do i believe all your problems will be solved when i when i 20 years ago i was sick when i started doing that i was weak looked like i was at the end of the trail physically and the most strenuous years i've ever lived in my life have been the last fifth of a century more miles have been traveled i've flown seven thousand hours in a plane didn't know beans about flying ought to have been killed at least a dozen times I mean, the most dangerous things I've ever done in my life, I've done. Uh, the life If I hadn't started living by faith, I'd have been dead by sight, sure as the world. I know. Oh, hear me, dear friends. This old book. See, that's, God's not interested in how much I weigh or what I look like. He's interested in what I'm going to say. He wants me to deliver His message. And that's all I've got to do on these 70 radio stations is just to deliver the message. Just get the message out to the people. Preach the word. Be instant in season. Now, deliver the word. This whole book is to be preached. Now then, I'm asking you one question to close the message. Do you believe this whole book? Are you willing to read it? Are you willing to have a family altar? Are you willing to have a private time of devotional every day? Are you willing to memorize it? You boys and girls, are you willing to memorize it? You'd say, oh, Brother Olaf, uh, I just can't memorize. I mean, I just can't do it to save my life. You can't? I asked you when I was here before and I sent a tape to all the churches, please memorize Psalm 51. Psalm 51. Now there, there there, are two or three classes of people listening to me. And I'm not fussing at you. I'm just reminding you. Some of you didn't even tackle it. You didn't. I just, just like water on the dock's back. You say, oh, it's not for me. <laughs> Man, I couldn't memorize nothing. Man, a whole chapter. I couldn't even memorize John 3.16. You ever heard that? You know, my own mind failing me, man. I tell you, I just can't remember nothing. I can't remember my own name. I mean, I you hear people talk like that. Would you like me to give you a good mind treatment tonight? The Bible said, let this mind be in you was also in Christ Jesus. And so I believe I'll uh, take a little old bill out of here if I can find one. And I'm fixing it I'm fixing to really I'll I'll do more than all the psychiatrists to put together to improve your mind right now. I'd like to give that for each chapter you memorize that's a hundred dollar bill I'd like to give $100 to the people that will memorize the 51st Psalm and Psalm 1 and Psalm 8 and Psalm 19 and uh, Psalm 27 and uh, Psalm 100 and Psalm 90 and Psalm 121 and when you get them memorized you come to me and each one of you will get $100 apiece $100 $100 a piece. Now, if you memorize 50, you get $5,000. Now, I want to ask you one question before I act foolish any longer. How many of you really feel your mind improving? <laughs> I mean, didn't that quicken your mind? I can say, why, well, some of you old boys are slobbering, really. I mean, you just <laughs> oh, brother. Five thousand dollars. Well I could get a I could get a car, I could get a new house, I could get and, and you all you women sitting there thinking about wall to wall carpet and uh, you know, those new shag rugs, you know. <laughs> and all the why, well, you know I'm not sitting up to give you what belongs to God for doing what you ought to do because you love him instead of because you want a bunch of dirty money. See what I'm talking about? I'll guarantee you I'd have to spend at least a hundred thousand dollars between now and next Sunday night. Just with this crowd here, if I let you, if they, just get up and say it out loud. I'll guarantee you, dear friend, you'd memorize chapter after chapter. Let me ask you a question, and then feel ashamed a little while. Don't you love Jesus that much? Don't you? He said, thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin. Isn't that enough reward? That I might not sin against God, that I may not grieve the Holy Spirit. That I might not be disobedient to God, that I may not live an immoral life. That I might not steal and cheat and disobey God. Wouldn't that be enough reward? Wouldn't it be worth more than a hundred, hundred dollar bills just to know that I'm living a victorious, overcoming life and I have victory in Jesus and it's all through the word of God? Wouldn't it be a wonderful thing tonight if I could get you to the Bible? I'm through, except for one man I want to tell you about. Let me tell you about two old men. Both of them are old men. One of them is a man by the name of Walter MacPherson. One of the sweetest illustrations I've ever gained in my life. And this one's real, really real. I read about him at one time. And then I went to St. Louis to speak to the Gideon International, one of the highest uh, privileges of my life, to speak to 1,500 Christian businessmen that had gathered from around and across America and beyond, England and other places, had come to meet in the big auditorium in the hotel where they'd put me. And I was preaching day after day and night after night. And uh, I was preaching... Along this line one night, and I said, Lord, will you give me a message to help the layman uh, They believe the Bible and they put out a lot of the Word of God in hotels and motels and trains and planes and everything else. And so I, I said, Lord, give me a message. And then it dawned on me there was a man by the name of Walter McPherson. He lived in Kansas City. I was in St. Louis, 300 miles away, about that. And so I got on the phone and I called him on the phone. Now, this is what happened to the man. When he was um, uh, not two older young men, he was uh, older than the boys that were setting off a charge of dynamite and he came upon them and said, fellas uh, look like y'all are not too well acquainted with uh, uh, setting off some charge of the dynamite. And they said, no sir we really not. Well he said, if you boys will back away now, I'll do it for you because that I've I worked a lot with dynamite and blasting rock and so forth. So the boys backed off. He didn't know that the fuse had already been lighted. They thought it had gone out. And before he could check into it and get it started and the thing blew up he came to in the hospital and uh, he lay there for days in darkness his eyes were bandaged he is the blackest night he ever saw he couldn't see a ray of light and the doctor attended him day after day changed the bandages a little bit and rearranged them and somehow or another he never did uh, never did let him see at all but one day he said to the doctor when are you really going to take the bandages off where i can see some? i'm so tired of living in the dark and the doctor said, I knew you'd ask me that, but um, your eyes are gone. There's no eyes left. He said, you mean I'll never see? He said, that's right. Your eyes have been destroyed. Walter Macpherson said, I was only a Christian one year, just one year. Oh, he said, I love the word of God. First thing he said to the doctor, oh, doctor, I'll never be able to read another line of the word of God. The doctor said, oh, maybe you can... Learned to use the Braille that lifted the raised letters and you can read uh, with uh, your fingers and and yet when he realized that the nerves to his fingers and hands because of the grafting of flesh and the terrible injuries that had come he couldn't feel anything with his fingers and and, uh, he read where a woman in England uh, had learned to read with her lips the Word of God the Braille and he had his friend to get him a Braille edition and brought it and set it on his bed And he tried to kiss his way through the Bible and found that the nerves to his lips had been clipped and he couldn't feel anything with his lips. He fell back on his pillow and said, I guess there's no use. And the man started to take the Bible. He said, if you will, just leave it here. Just leave it here. And so he left it there and uh, he learned to lick his way through the Bible with his tongue, leaving a bloody trail for many days. As he figured out the letters, one after another, I called that man on the phone. And somebody came to the phone and I said, is Mr. McPherson still alive? Oh, yes, said he's still alive. I said, I'd like to talk with him and said, well, if you'll give me a little time, I'll go get him and bring him to the phone. And so in a little bit, a matter of a minute, two minutes, he came to the phone and he said, hello there. And I said, Mr. McPherson, I'm a preacher in, in St. Louis preaching to... Some men tonight, businessmen, I wonder if you've got any word for them about the Word of God. Oh, he said, indeed I have. He said, tell them I'm 86 years old. I've read the Bible through three times completely with my tongue, and I've memorized many lengthy passages. I'm looking for Jesus to come in a minute and tell them that if they want to know the Word of God, God will make a way for them to get it. Yes, I raise a question, do you really want the Word of God? Do you realize you need this more than you do your next breath? By your heads while we pray. In a moment, I guess we don't have any songbooks, but I wish we could sing that old song that said, Sing them over again to me. Wonderful words of life. Let me more of their beauty see. Wonderful words of life. I wonder tonight if you realize the importance of this message in your soul. Preachers, have you loved the word of God more than you've loved your necessary food? Do you realize that your ministry is to be a ministry of one book? I want to have any preachers here tonight that need to meet me in the altar and say, by your coming, by the grace of God, I'll be a preacher of the word of God. I'll love it, memorize it, live it, preach it. You know the little old chorus that popped into my mind listen and pray while we share it i used to hear my mother sing it when she said mother's bible blessed book precious book on thy dear old tishtain leaves i love to look thou art sweeter day by day as i walk the narrow way that leads at last to that bright home above well it's a blessed book it's a precious book on thy dear old tishtain leaves i love to look Thou art sweeter day by day As I walk the narrow way That leads at last to that bright home above Our Father, we pray in Jesus' name that the word of God May find free course and run in every heart And be sharper than a two-edged sword And cleanse and purify, convict and save and convert And bring us to repentance concerning our relationship with the word of God. Lord, knowing that you set your word above your name. And knowing your name is the most precious name on earth. I pray in Jesus name right now that you'll give us a Bible revival. And let it start right here tonight.